Let's get it. Wednesday, May 29th, 2019. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope everyone had a safe and enjoyable Memorial Day weekend. I also hope that you were able to at least take a moment and realize why we have that three-day weekend. I want to address something from this past week. Uh, a lot of my colleagues over there at uh, Rally Point uh, pointed out that I said on last week's episode that we, as a podcast, have a Rally Point. What I was saying about Jan Ostrom is that I was following the discussion on the VA's Rally Point. And at the end of the show, if you listen, I promote the VA's Rally Point. This show does not have its own Rally Point as of yet. Still trying to talk to my boss about that or any other social media. If you want to find anything about Born the Battle, it will come through the VA's main Facebook, Instagram, YouTube pages. But uh, hopefully, hopefully that can change. But I'm not opposed if you guys want to start your own group. I'll even join it and uh, we can talk about some of the episodes and and have some good discussions. I am on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm Instagram. So uh, if you want to start some conversations, uh, I am more than happy to uh, engage. As for us, outside of podcast land, we had Rolling Thunder coming for possibly the last time in D.C. It's a pretty big rally. So what did I do? So what did I do the Friday before Rolling Thunder? Took my wife to go meet some bikers. I want to thank the Nam Knights for uh, their hospitality and their frosty beverages. Appreciate that. On Sunday, I took over the VA's official Instagram and did some Insta story coverage of the Eastern Armed Forces Memorial Day shooting match on Quantico, Virginia. They had service rifles, vintage sniper rifles. They had the spring old Springfield 1903s out there. They also had shotgun, pistol, and three-gun matches. They had these very ornate trophies that were named after fallen service members. And next year... The Quantico Shooting Club and the Marine Corps Shooting Team promised me that they would read the bios of each service member that a trophy is named after, and we'll put it live on Instagram. For all those that did follow the Instagram stories out there uh, over the past weekend, whether it was whether it was my colleague at the National Mall or myself out in Quantico, thank you very much for uh, your engagement and your participation. Also, some good news from last week. I finally got the green light we are going to the World War II days in Reading, Pennsylvania on the weekend of June 7th through the 9th. Really excited about that. They're going to have uh, authentic World War II aircraft, authentic World War II vehicles. With those vehicles, they're going to have a, a convoy go through the city of Reading. They're going to airdrop World War II style and full regalia. And they're also going to assault through a French town that they've built out there in Reading. So we're really excited to go out there. In addition, they're going to have a lot of survivors from World War II out there to, to share their stories. They're going to have survivors from Okinawa, Iwo Jima, Normandy. Uh, they have a former bomber pilot that went over Indochina that's going to be there. Uh, a couple Battle of the Bulge survivors. Uh, someone from Patton's Third Army. A couple submariners. Someone that survived the Battle of Midway. I mean, it just goes on and on of all the veterans that they're going to have there in Reading, Pennsylvania on June 7th through the 9th. And we can't wait to be there to bring you those stories. So I received an email last week. This is from Gunnery Sergeant E, retired USMC. First time listener, wondering why. Thanks for the podcast. 
Gunner Sergeant E, thank you for listening to the podcast. We also received one more review from FRG9. Great info. Appreciate the VA news updates. I volunteer at the local VA. Sometimes your spots are the first time I have heard news about VA programs and can communicate them to veterans. I also enjoy the interviews very much, especially hearing why Vest decided to join the military and why they decided to leave. Thanks. Well, FRG, I thank you. Uh, and also thank you for your feedback. Um, I always wondered if anybody hears or listens to the the news releases or any of the promos that I do before I actually get to the interview. And so thank you for letting me know that you actually listen to that and you're actually able to get that information out to veterans. That's that's really awesome. That's good stuff. So that was the only rating or review that we got this week, which means we are at 74 people. We only need one more to get a snippet of the Adrian Cronauer, Mel Brooks interview that I've been promoing for the past, I don't know, 10 weeks. Um, one more. All I need is one more listener out there to send in a rating or review, and I'll give you a snippet of that interview. And then after that, we just need 25 more, folks. 25 more. We're three-quarters of the way there. Once we get And when we get to 100, we'll release the full interview of Adrian Cronauer of Good Morning Vietnam fame interviewing legendary producer, actor, director, comedian, Mel Brooks. And they talk about Mel Brooks' service, his life after his service, his time with the USO, uh, a lot of good things in there. And I can't wait to bring that to you in full when we get to 100. But you only need one more to get a snippet of it for the next episode. In addition, if you are listening to this the day it drops, we have a Facebook Live on the VA's official Facebook page tomorrow May 30th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Dr. Cameron Matthews, the Deputy Undersecretary for Health and Community Care, and Dr. Jennifer McDonald, the Director of Clinical Innovations and Education at the VA, will be talking about the Mission Act. So the Mission Act is upcoming changes about access to care from local providers in your community. The guests are going to be talking about eligibility criteria, how to schedule an appointment and how to get care, uh, the billing requirements, and and how veterans will now have access to a new convenient option to receive care for minor injuries and illnesses. Uh, they're going to talk about myths and, and, and some other things. You're able to view it at 4.30 and send in your questions, engage, because our outreach department will be listening and monitoring those comments and uh, hopefully be able to get back to you for the majority of those comments. This is also the last episode we will be talking about Mental Health Awareness Month, which was in May. VA launched a new campaign called The Moment When in recognition of the resilience of those who have served our country to honor their sacrifices and to learn and be inspired by their amazing stories. Mental Health Month is also an opportunity to build awareness of mental health challenges and treatment options and to let people know that recovery is possible. This campaign is part of our Make the Connection program, where nearly 500 veterans have shared their stories of strength and recovery. Make the Connection also features a resource locator where veterans, their family, and their friends can find local support. To learn more, visit www.maketheconnection.net forward slash MHM. And next week, we'll also have a veteran that shared his story during the, the Moment When campaign. He's on the website. His name is David Lucier, and he will be our guest next week. 
And finally, I have two news releases for you this week. It says, for immediate release, VA encourages veterans to quit tobacco on World No Tobacco Day. Didn't know that was a thing. In recognition of World No Tobacco Day, on May 31st, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs will reaffirm its Better Starts Today campaign, calling on veterans who use tobacco to discover reasons to quit and take advantage of innovative VA resources to help them succeed. Then it goes into some histories of, then it goes into a little bit of history of No Tobacco Day, a couple quotes, and then it says, then, then it says, veterans don't have to do it alone. VA national resources include QuitVet a toll-free national quit line at 1-855-QUIT-VET. That's 1-855-784-8838. For veterans to speak with a tobacco cessation counselor, make a quit plan and receive ongoing counseling after their quit date. Quit line counselors are available between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Monday through Friday. Born the, Battle, Born the Battle also has a full episode in our archives about the quit line. There is also Smoke Free Vet, a text message program where you text VET to 47848, offering veterans three to five texts a day with advice and encouragement to help them while they stop using tobacco. Veterans can also text the keywords urge, stress, smoked, and dipped anytime to receive an immediate tip for coping with an urge to use a slip or stress. For more information and resources about tobacco cessation and how veterans, families, and friends can help, visit www.mentalhealth.va.gov forward slash quit hyphen tobacco. And finally, this was for immediate release on May 23rd, 2019. VA now transplanting kidneys that are positive for hepatitis C. How is that possible? Well, let me tell you. Underscoring its mission of improving the quality of life for veterans, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs recently began offering a new option to patients awaiting kidney transplants, organs that are positive for hep C. How is that possible? Well, let me tell you. In early in early March, a team from the Iowa City VA healthcare system successfully transplanted hep C positive kidneys into four veteran patients, then immediately began the treatment process to cure the viral infection that causes liver inflammation. Then you get another quote by our secretary, and then it says, Dr. Daniel Katz, transplant surgery director for the Iowa City VA healthcare system, said VA was quick to understand the bigger picture and the long-term cost-saving potential of this new procedure. Then you get a, a, a quote from Dr. Katz, and then it says, the Iowa City VA healthcare system transplant team has successfully conducted more than 475 organ transplants and is on track to reach 500 in 2020. The hepatitis C virus is the most common bloodborne disease in the United States, and VA has treated and cured more HCV patients than any other healthcare system in the country and is on track to eliminate, that's right, eliminate the hepatitis C virus in about a month, in about a month, folks, and all veterans willing and able to be treated. That's amazing. As of March 3rd, nearly 116,000 veterans started an all-oral hep C medication in the VA, of which 96,654 veterans completed treatment and have been cured. Then there's a couple more paragraphs, and then it says, Other VA transplant centers also provide veterans the opportunity to choose to receive hep C positive donor organs with post-transplant treatment. 
blah, that's a mouthful, but the important information is participating centers include the William S. Middleton Memorial Veterans Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. That's for liver and heart. The Hunter Holmes McGuire VA Medical Center in Richmond, Virginia for heart. The VA Portland Healthcare System in Portland, Oregon, liver. The Tennessee Valley Healthcare System in Nashville, liver and heart. And the VA Pittsburgh Healthcare System for livers. For more information, visit www.iowacity.va.gov for more info about the Hep C organ transplant team. And for more information about the VA's research in this area, visit www.hepatitis, that's H-E-P-A-T-I-T-I-S, dot V-A, dot gov. That's really cool. All right, finally, today's guest, that's plural, is a Marine vet and his longtime girlfriend. When this veteran came home from deployment, he had a pretty hard time transitioning. It wasn't until a chance meeting with a homeless veteran did he start to pick himself back up. With the help of his significant other, this veteran started the nonprofit Backpacks for Life and has since developed and patented a backpack designed specifically for homeless veterans. They are Marine veteran Brett D'Alessandro and his longtime girlfriend, Alexa Modero. Enjoy. Brett, you're a Marine veteran. Uh, Alexa, you, you're a former or current military service. Are you, are you two married? I see two different names. <laughs> long story. No, we, uh, we've been a long time boyfriend, girlfriend since before Brett deployed. So I'm technically military spouse. If you want to give it that well, role. People, people have been calling her Mrs. D'Alessandro, me, Miss Verdera. We kind of just roll with it. They're like, Oh, go get your wife or, you know, go get your, uh, um, your fiance, I just, you know, I, I stopped uh, explaining. We kind of just go with whatever people think. Sure. So you guys have been together for a long, long time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. How did you two meet? So we actually met at college at the University of Rhode Island. Uh, Brett and I are the same age, but he came to college a year later because after high school, he went straight to boot camp. But uh, I happen to be friends with some of his friends from home. We're both originally from New Jersey. And uh, we got introduced originally as friends. But uh, I mean, you guys are all, you guys are together now. Uh, how did that, how did that progress? Well, we actually, my, I want to hear the love story. My girlfriend dumped me like a week before the Marine Corps ball. And I was telling Alexa like, ah, you know, she dumped me this and that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to go with anybody. She's like, oh, well, I'll go with you. And uh, I think that's kind of uh, where it happened. And, um, and then, you know, I was, it was uh, second semester at college and I was in a reserve unit up in Rhode Island and they're like, you know, who wants to volunteer to go to Afghanistan? So it was like me and, and 15 others volunteered, we got attached and, and that's when we started to date when I got attached to a unit down in um, Camp Lejeune in North Carolina called CLB6. And, and literally when I started that, like started that I guess, transitioning to um, get deployed to Afghanistan, Alexa went and studied abroad. So our first year together, we spent we, apart. So <laughs> spent apart. I was in Spain, he was at uh, training down in Lejeune. And then I came home, he got a two week break to come home. And then it was off to Afghanistan for seven months. So it's kind of a unique way how it all started. <laughs> Got you. Wow. Uh, I mean, you say unique, but it's almost sounds like almost like any other uh, 
uh, military relationship story. It's like, yeah, we started out uh, very far apart, <laughs> and yeah. it's and then we went through seven months of of a deployment. Um, huh. Very well. So, uh, Brett, when and why we're gonna we're gonna ask you, Brett, we're gonna ask you the same question we ask everyone: When and why did you decide to enter the service? I, uh, I mean, I always had a love for helping out people. And, and I mean, to be honest, I was kind of in college, not knowing really what I wanted to do when checked out a couple of colleges, but, you know, I really think the staple on it was, um, my grandfather was in the Marines for 23 years, two purple hearts, you know, world war two, he drove the Amtraks and, uh, in the Marines and stuff. And, you know, just his stories, just kind of seeing how he was as a, you know, how he held himself. And, and I just thought that was just, you know, I was in awe. I was like, you know, looking at this person, this hero. So I think that was definitely the staple on it. But, you know, I just, I truly love helping people. I mean, it's the coolest feeling in the world. So uh, I think those two things were a combination of why I joined the, the Marines. Got you. Very well. So, uh, while you were in, either give me a best friend or a great mentor that you had while you were in. Uh, Omar Rafiq, he was he was a good friend, mentor, all around amazing person. He was at the reserve center with me. We deployed together. Um, he's actually he went in as an officer now, so he's an officer. I think he's in Syria right now, but, um, but oh, wow. yeah, 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 he was an awesome friend. I mean, we got some crazy stories together, done some funny things, but you know, he's been a friend and, um, he was, uh, actually with me. He broke his arm in, in Afghanistan and he was, uh, on medical hold with me when we got back. So he was really with me through the thick of it when I was recovering. So, um, yeah, he, he was, he's, he was definitely that person that comes to mind. Gotcha. His name is Omar Rafiki. Omar Rafiq. Gotcha. Rafiq. Is yeah, he now Omar Rafiq all the time. And his, gotcha. his nickname was Spellcheck because he was so intelligent and none of the rest of them could spell, but he was right. He, he is literally like, he's, I don't know, he's like a mad scientist, brainiac, you know, we call him the Spellcheck nerd, you know, all those kind of things and stuff, but a good kind. Uh, but yeah, he was, he was our go-to for everything. Kind of like the scribe, kind of like the scribe in boot camp. Just, just that. Yeah, just we, smart. Yeah. We should have called him the scribe. <laughs> that would have been a funnier name, um, more prevalent, probably. So, um, and Omar is active duty right now, currently in Syria. Yeah, as an officer. Yep, yep. He, um, he, he was stationed now in California, so he got lucky on that one and stuff. And yeah, he reservists were, um, you know, enlisted, and then he went back in and did an officer training. So. You know, I got you. Now, are you still a reservist or did you decide to get out or how did, how did, how did that, are you, you know, did you make that decision to get out? Yeah, I did. Well, I went 2010 to 16. So, yep, I've been out for a couple of years. Got you. What was the decision? Why did you decide to, uh, to leave the, the service? Um, I was just on, on, uh, I thought that chapter was, uh, was done and I was on to new and other things. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to start a company. I wanted to do things and, and, um, you know, I just thought it was the right time to get out. And, and we'll also too, my unit was up in Rhode Island. I was in New Jersey. The traveling was a lot. So, you know, I just thought I, um, I thought I was done with that chapter and wanted to do another one. I started. Got you. One. Got you. 
Uh, Alexa, now uh, you are for me. You're the first uh, person that's been on Born the Battle that's not uh, active duty. But no. we have. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're fine. But you are. Uh, you aren't the first person in the history of the show. Tim lost in the previous. Uh, the previous host had, I think, three other people that had that were not, and I think two of them were military spouses. Um, what was your Alexa? How did you prepare or handle his deployment when he left? That's funny because I don't really feel like I did prepare. You know, the military world was sort of uncharted territory for me. Uh, my grandfather also served in the Marine Corps during the Korean War, but. Uh, you know, didn't learn much about it as he died when I was very young. But, you know, I kind of just said, all right, let, let's do it and didn't think much of it. Uh, I almost think that that was a little bit more beneficial that I was a little bit, you know, naive to what was going on or what is involved in a deployment. But, uh, you know, when Brett got home, that was when it became super challenging and, you know, just saw a totally different side of, you know, the effects of war, but, um, you know, we're lucky that technology was in the state that it was that yeah. I was able to FaceTime with Brett while he was overseas, which we were very fortunate for. What was the, uh, what was the hardest thing about that transition about him coming home? Uh, I know he alluded to, uh, some challenges as well. I mean, I think being a civilian, first and foremost, you know, there is just something so unique and special about being in the military and, just not knowing that from the civilian side, you know, there's just some things you can't understand, you know, the Brotherhood of the Marine Corps, uh, you know, it was something his best friend and I, you know, we were trying to wrap our heads around how do we help Brett, you know, he's having a tough time coming back to the civilian world and really not knowing how to tap into that. It was definitely just challenging being a civilian. Yeah. Now, Brett, what was your, what was your, Mission over through the deployment. What was the hardest thing? And then what was the hardest thing about your transition? So we were with uh, CLB-6. We're, um, we're in TS company. So motor transportation. That was, you know, our, our specialty. Oh, okay. Um, I was a gunner for the majority of the time over there. I drove a little bit here and there, but majority just a gunner. Um, I was on 240 in the Crow system. It was like a robotic weapon system. And and, you know, obviously the, the big thing over there was IEDs, motor transportation company. You were, con you were on convoys. Convoys. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They go hand in hand. We went down to, um, we're at Leatherneck in Helmand province and we got fortunate enough to fob hop everywhere since we're a motor T company. So we got to go to Kajaki Dam, Dwyer, Nowsdead, Faisal, Faisal. Yes. Um, uh, Kajaki Dam, actually, it's a funny story. I named my chocolate lab Kajaki. So, uh, did you really? Yes, yes. I will. That is a very, very funny story how I got my dog and how I named the Kajaki. But, um, but anyways, we, um, yeah, we, we went to all these fobs and we were during a retrograde phase and just basically you would tear the fob down and bring anything that was relevant back and or just yeah. hand it over to the Afghan army. So, that was uh, what we did when we were over there. Got you. Um, what was the hardest thing about your transition after coming home? I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, a couple Marines went over there, died, you know, it was, got hit by a couple IDs and, you know, all that stuff. Yes. That stuff, the, you know, what you would correlate to PTSD or veterans having PTSD. I think it was more of, I lost my purpose. I, I really, I had this, this job, this incredible job to serve our country, to help people out and came home. And I was like, like, 
I'm home. And, and it just kind of, I think after a couple of days, it really hit me up. I lost my purpose and I lost my way. And I was like, what do I do now? And, and I think that's what really got to me. I mean, yeah, I mean, the other things, I, of course, there's a collective of multiple things, but that really hit and weighed heavily on me. I, I think a lot of veterans can sympathize with that. You know, you cut you when you first leave the service, everything is so regimented when you're in, you know, there's a certain schedule, there's a certain purpose, there's certain training. Uh, there's always that next goal that you have, you know, whether it's attaining the next rank or the next certification or, or trying to advance your career in some sort of way. There's always this almost, there's always those MOS roadmaps, right. That to look at. And, and when you get out, you have no roadmap. You, you're, you're, it's a wide open space. Um, so that was pretty much, that was the biggest challenge I'm assuming for, for you and probably for a lot of other veterans. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know, people like, Oh, Alexa, you know, civilian, you know, what could be her ties, but that's, you know, our big push with our organization is, you know, it's not just the veteran that deploys, it's the whole family and, and really rehabilitating, yeah. not just the veteran, but the family and in turns will help the veteran that much more. And, and uh, Alexa, I mean, she, she runs this whole organization now and, and how many veterans and family members and children of veterans that she's helped. I mean, she, I, I consider her part of the, the crew, part of the, the, the military family. And she's just done so many unbelievable things and stuff. And, and, you know, we'll obviously talk on some of those subjects in a little bit. So Alexa, did you have any tie in, uh, to like the family readiness officers or anything like that while he was deployed? No, I was, you know, just, at home hearing from Brett when I did. And that was kind of it, you know, it, um, you know, being that we were in Rhode Island, but not originally from Rhode Island and then Brett getting attached to a unit down in Lejeune. I mean, there really wasn't That's a sense tough. of community, uh, in a sense yeah. for me. So, um, yeah, it was kind of like on my own and being that I was in college, uh, you know, not too many people our age really could wrap their head around what, you know, being on deployment is. So how did you and Alexa come to make backpacks? So when I came back home, they put me on medical hold and I was up in Rhode Island. I was utilizing the, um, the Navy base up there in, um, in uh, Newport, Newport, Rhode Island Naval Base. And so I was going to the docs appointment and I saw a gentleman with a sign that said, homeless vet, please help me out. And so I was like, you know what, let me go back to my motel that they had me staying at. I got a backpack, filled up some warm layers and things that I had left over from Afghanistan and went over, gave it to the guy, a little small talk, nothing more. And that was it. And then three days later, I was driving to another doc's point. I saw the guy again, but he was with a little boy. And, and so I pulled over to the side of the road. And before I could get a word out, the little boy said, you know, thank you so much for the backpack. I no longer have to go to school, carry my books in my hands. And the dad, said, the, little boy, the little boy said that. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The dad was uh, walking his, uh, I guess his son to school or bus or I'm not sure where they're going, but he had the, the backpack and, and he said, you know, thank you so much for the backpack. They didn't keep my, um, well, the boy said, thank you for the backpack and I'll have to go to school, carry my books in my hands. And the dad said, thank you so much for the warmer layers. They may keep my wife who's sick at the home of shelter warm. And I kind of like almost had like a, like a sigh of relief, like, like almost like a guilty, like, you know, because of the situation, I had this sigh of relief. Like it, it's not just me who's dealing with this, you know, it's not just the veterans and I who deployed in our, in our little unit that, that were dealing with this. There's other veterans from other areas and other wars dealing with this. And I was like, Oh man, like 
we're not alone. Cause that was like the biggest thing holding me up. I felt like, you know, I was weak. I was this Marine, you know, we're supposed to be, you know, tip of the spear and I'm dealing with these things. I can't even get a haircut without a mental breakdown. And, and look, there's sure. other veterans dealing with this. And I was like, and at that point I kind of, I felt, found my purpose again, where I was determined to make sure every veteran out there, um, could get connected to the right resources and get their life back. But I had to, you know, get my life back first. And so I, I was really determined. I think it wasn't so much for myself, but I wanted to get myself better at the, in the beginning for others. And then I, you know, in turns found to, you know, I wanted to do it for myself. And, and, um, and so I set out on my little journey, I call it to, you know, call every person, reach out to every organization and just figure what, it, you know, what it took to, to get better. I mean, I started using drugs and alcohol to cope with what I was dealing with. So I went to military rehabs. I had so much anxiety. You know, I um, linked up with an organization that taught meditation. I linked up oh, wow. with healing waters, you know, hiking fishing clubs and things like that to, you know, get that, um, I guess, that, uh, the camaraderie and, and, um, and a small leader unit and uh, like, I guess, traits and things like that and stuff. And um, it was great. Got you. Did you, uh, did you use the utilize did you utilize the VA at all at any point? Um, yes. Yep. I, uh, so when we got back, it was, uh, through the yellow, yellow ribbon, right. And, um, and yeah, started to utilize the VA up there. So I, it was a little weird because I was technically still on active duty. So that's why I was utilizing, um, the Newport Naval base and things like that. But after that, yes, it transferred it over to the VA. I was, um, I was then, Cause I was up in Rhode Island I got a transfer to East Orange VA and still going there. Um, was talking, uh, talking to two primary doctors, psychologists and psychiatrists at the East Orange VA. And, and yeah, it's, it's been a community that has helped me and, and really got me to, uh, recover. That's great. Um, you know, I, the reason I ask is I know my former boss, she would always tell me that there's alternative methods that the VA, you, you can utilize the VA. And I mean, I work for the VA now and I don't know how to even go about doing that. You know, there, I've heard about meditation and, and about, uh, uh, acupuncture and other alternative methods and things like that, that are offered through the VA through certain programs. And I just wondered if you were able to navigate it and find a way to, to utilize any of that alternative stuff that I've heard of, but haven't actually seen. Yeah. So I think there's like, there's a cut. I think it's like three or four. Don't quote me. I, but I'm pretty sure, it's three. sure. They, they, they have like our alternative alternative treatment centers at the VA that kind of work with these programs. And I actually believe that East Orange is one of them. And oh, yeah, wow. there's, I mean, uh, mindfulness, transcendental meditation, you know, cognitive infusion, there's uh, AA NA meetings, there's fishing clubs, hiking clubs, um, healing waters. They work, um, they do fly tying with veterans who are dealing with anger management and amongst other things, but primary anger management to get them to focus on uh, like a low level activity and focus on the present moment by tying a little fly that has been tremendously effective for veterans dealing with anger management by, you know, not making them feel of the, the or get depressed by the past or angry or upset from the future and putting them right into the present. So there's an abundance of programs out there. And, you know, I, I think it's not necessarily the, the lack of resources right now that are really holding up our veterans, but it's a lack of the know-how navigating through the resources. Yeah. Lack of how to get there, how to, how to find these things. Yeah. We, we've worked with like, I mean, hundreds of homeless vets. I mean, we've given out 5,600 backpacks nationally, but every vet there, I, when I 
sit with them and consult with them. They've talked to 30 or 40 organizations and they just kind of given up. They're pissed off. They, uh, yes, Brett, I've filled 20 intake forms. Yes. I've already done meetings and appointments and it kind of just, they, they don't, it's, it's so hard because they have to be that manager of these organizations they're talking to. They have to kind yeah. of help them navigate through them and figure out, you know, okay, I went to this one, then this one needs something from that one. And it gets just so overwhelming where they say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Got you. So, but you're trying to help mitigate that, um, yep. from understanding. Yeah. So, so what, what is backpacks for life? Like what, what's the big idea behind it? So, you know, after Brett had this encounter with this homeless veteran and gave him the backpack out, I remember the day very clearly, but he called me and said, you know, what if we build backpacks filled with the right supplies, toiletries to, you know, just help with that daily essentials and then give them resources, all the resources they need, but not just give them the backpack and say, see you later, good luck, but actually coach and mentor veterans through these programs, kind of what we were just saying. So, uh, that's our primary program, which is distributing backpacks to homeless veterans. Like Brett said, we've given out over 5,600 backpacks in 14 states. So we're at stand down events. We're working with other nonprofits uh, in California and Maine. We're working with local law enforcement. Uh, we're actually distributing backpacks through the Iraq and Afghanistan Transition Center at the East Orange VA here in New Jersey. And then we're just contacted by individual veterans on a weekly basis who, you know, are starting a new job and need a backpack or, you know, maybe they just need some help with resources. So that's our secondary program, which is coaching and mentorship. So like we were saying, we want to connect the dots. There are tons of veteran service orgs and nonprofits doing amazing work. And maybe there's a program through the VA or a vet center and the veteran just isn't aware that they either qualify for the program or how to qualify. So that's where we have a hands-on approach. We make it very personalized and we just try to listen to the veteran story first and foremost, because we want them to feel like a person and not a number. And that helps us, you know, break down some of those barriers, maybe some of their hesitations and really give them an effective hands-on coaching experience to get them the resources they need. And that could vary from job coaching, resume assistance. Uh, do you need a service dog? Do you need equine therapy? It could be, you know, you need mental health counseling. It really varies, but we try to be that middleman and bridge the gap and help connect the dots. So a veteran contacts you and says, man, I don't know where to go from here. I mean, how does the company now, is this a private company? You guys are a for-profit or non-profit? Like how, how are you guys, what's your business model? So we're a 501c3 nonprofit uh, and sort of the process when we're contacted by a veteran is first to get on a call with them, or if they're in our general area, we're based in New Jersey, uh, we'll meet up with them and sort of break bread at a Burger King or something. But we just sit down and say, tell us your story. Tell us what's going on. And we just listen in to some of the things they are saying and some of the things they aren't saying. Because sure. I mean, you don't want to say, Oh, what do you need? If they don't, I mean, I just learned of an organization yesterday that does earns for vets. I mean, how would you know what you need if you don't even know what's out there? So we'll listen to their story. But again, like Alexa said, you know, we'll meet them at like a McDonald's and break bread with them. I compare it to like, if anybody's seen Castaway, he went crazy and talked to a ball because he had no human interaction. You know, before you say bombard him with all these resources, let's get your 
gives me a job. You have to kind of pull back and see, you know, why don't they have a job or housing? And, and it's because you, we have to rehabilitate their soul. And it sounds kind of, you know, silly, non-tangible, but you have to reignite that flame back in them and, and give them the will and the want to get better. And, and that's just hanging sure. out with them. I mean, I'll hang out with them and we'll, we'll listen to their story and then we'll kind of start to draw a roadmap of organizations that m- might pertain to them and or if they even qualify for uh, to help kind of mitigate the process of them searching for the resources and knowing what organizations do they qualify for or they don't qualify for. Uh, but really, you know, I'll call a couple of buddies and go, hey, this vets, you know, he's dealing with this and literally just have them talk to him or her and uh, maybe go hang out with them or say, hey, you're close by his vet. You know, let's go out for breakfast or let's go to the movies and bring him to the movie. That's the first part about rehabilitation. It's not here's a bunch of resources, start filling out intake forms and things it's that part making them feel like a human again and then from there you make that roadmap and you you help them through the roadmap you can't say here's a bunch of organizations good luck you know it's not effective whatsoever we'll literally coach them that you know like alexis said bring them to job appointments help them fill out paperwork do they have a little like it's what 25 dollars to fill out um to get your uh, id at the um, um to just get your id and and you know, they might not have $20, $25. So we want to pay for those little fees to make sure the ball continues to roll. And then at that point, you know, we don't want them to be an enabler and you want them to take control of their own life. So, but you have to help yeah. them in the beginning. And then at that point, you kind of let them steer the the wheel from there. At what point do you know when you're not, when you, you start to become that enabler, at what point is, is it like, okay, you are, here is, here is your roadmap then, and, and now it's time to go. Now it's time to fly. Uh, it's, it's literally case by case. Um, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I fell down, you know, 10 times before I, you know, got back up and found the correct, you know, path and stuff. And I wouldn't say it's, you know, failures. I, I tell these vets, you know, it's like going to college, you know, you're going to learn to better yourself, to navigate these resources. You know, if you fall, you know, get back up try another route you know it's people uh, vets oh i wasted so much time on that like now you know what not to do and let's try another path and then you try another one and another one you're you're marine army air force whatever you you whatever branch you are you you can do this and stuff and you know what boot camp you went to or whatever you went through getting into the military and stuff you know that it's it's not necessarily failure it's just you know i know what not to do now and then try something else that might be more effective and it really depends on the veterans unique needs and stuff is it flotation therapy you know is it equine therapy is it some form of meditation is it drug and alcohol counseling so it really depends on the veteran situation and you know I, gotcha. like you know i'm a recovering alcoholic and addict and stuff you know i didn't get it the first time second time or third time and i took me the fourth time so it really depends on the veteran situation and stuff. And, and, you know, if it doesn't, it doesn't happen the first time, we'll try second, third, fourth, fifth, and keep going until we get it correct. I love that you're making, uh, you know, from the, almost like the military MOS roadmap and you're bringing it back into the civilian world and you're giving it back to that veteran to try to f- help find their purpose. I think that's really cool. Um, how big is your operation? Uh, have you, did you guys just started? Um, it seems like it's a very big mission that you guys are are aiming for, uh, and it's a very involved process. What type of support do you guys have to help you in your mission? Yeah, so you know, for a long time, it was just Brett and myself, uh, very much a grassroots operation. But at this point, we are 
nationally recognized and working with veterans across the country. Uh, we've actually just brought on someone to help us with our project management and help us sort of refine and build out our programs and make sure they're still effective for veterans. But when we're working on a veteran case, we have a network primarily here in New Jersey of other VSOs that we rely on to, you know, work with, communicate with. Uh, about a year ago, I actually quit my full-time job. I was working. We Well, Brett still works a full-time job outside this of this. my second full-time job. Yeah. So um, <laughs> very much an entrepreneurial wow. hustle, but uh, I quit my job about a year, uh, year ago and took on the organization full-time because we saw there was a need. So, uh, you know, it's, Definitely at times a lot on our shoulders, but we've made really great uh, relations with a lot of the state and local organizations here in New Jersey and across the country now. It's sort of expanding and we know who are the right programs and the right people to connect our veterans with. Got you. Well, as a entrepreneurial uh, mindset, uh, what is one piece of advice for veterans that are wanting to start a business? Uh, that's, that's a loaded question, but you know, there are so many times where Brett and I are about to throw the towel in and maybe we're thinking of giving up, but you just got to keep standing back up, even if you're backed into a corner and, and people who are veterans have that mindset already naturally. So what, what president said that if you're going through hell, keep going, you know, it's, it's that, uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue, but there's a nice little quote from one of the presidents and, and another little quote as, you know, a smart person learns from them, their mistakes, a wise person learns from others, go out there and absorb everything you can look at what everybody's doing. You know, I, I say we, we, I had a little, I made a, I patented something in high school and this backpack that we just made, we'll talk about in a sec, we patented, but I didn't recreate the wheel. I just saw what's out there, took little bits and pieces that were super effective, put it together and made something even more effective. And those three things right there, but just keep pushing through an entrepreneur there. You show the, you know, not the weak, but from the strong, but people who don't continue to do what they're doing. And the people who continue to do, there's nothing different than the other people who continue to do it. They literally continue to keep pushing forward. And that's that, that, sorry, that huh. second quote that you said, what is one thing that another person looking to get into, another veteran looking to get into a business can learn from what you guys have done? I mean, we started very slowly and sort of took baby steps. If you take small steps, you'll make small mistakes and learn from them. Instead of trying to bite off more than you can chew, taking large steps and making large mistakes. And I think that lent itself to us having this gradual growth, uh, you know, getting coverage, being able to spread our awareness and connecting, you know, with the veteran network. Uh, And that's another thing is, you know, get in touch with a network, military and veteran connected community, wherever you are, if you're going to take up entrepreneurship, but yeah, definitely start small and you know, you'll get, you'll get big, but you got to start small and you'll, you'll learn. I have little like quotes and things. Yeah. The other one, I was like tongue tied on it, but, uh, a, if, if you start small, you make some small mistakes. And Mm. if you try to, you know, full steam ahead and you, try to, you know, have this huge thing and you want to make it really big, you can make a really big mistake and stuff. So start small, you'll make small mistakes. And the other one, you know, a smart person learns from their mistakes, a wise person learns from others. And uh, I think those two, and just, you know, keep pushing on, just don't give up no matter what, if you really truly believe in it that much, then 
you know, there's nothing to stop you. Just keep going. Very well. So the, the way how I found uh, you both was that video that you guys have about the Bowery Pack, and it was on LinkedIn. And I think one of your uh, board members actually shared it on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is this is a great program. It's It's got a unique message and it's a. Uh, you guys have a unique production about how you guys make it. And, you know, it's just a really great program you guys are doing. So first of all, tell us about what is the Bowery Pack? We, about a year and a half ago, after distributing backpacks from outside suppliers for years, and, you know, we started with a small, really crummy backpack. It was neon yellow. And we slowly started upgrading and we accepted donations of backpacks. And then we started working with a company called Sandpiper of California, and we were buying backpacks through them and they were really good backpacks, but we continued to get feedback from veterans about things they liked and disliked about the packs we gave them. So about a year and a half ago, we said, well, what if we make our own pack and we design it specifically with a veteran in mind? So the Bowery pack is essentially a backpack fully engineered and designed with a veteran in mind, specifically one that might be in a shelter or living on the streets. So we designed the backpack. It's actually patent pending, uh, and we've included a lot of unique features to it to ensure not only quality and durability, but also safety for the veteran. So we have reflective tape that runs along the backpack. So if a veteran's out at night, they can be seen. Uh, we've got a whistle clip that uh, clasps at the sternum. So if they're ever in danger and they can't scream, they could blow their whistle. Uh, the backpack's actually a sea bag inspired bag. So it's got the sea bag. I saw that. It, that was the biggest eye catcher to me was the sea bag design. Yeah, we wanted to pay a little homage to the military. <laughs> well, and also, it's like why we really, I mean, yes, because it's, you know, it resembles the military, but more so a lot of the vets, they would overstuff our homeless vets that we worked with. They would overstuff their backpack and it would, the zipper would break. So this really, yeah. you cannot break a sea bag, you know, style top. And that's kind of why we made that little piece to it. Yeah. So uh, it's a drawstring style closure and the, cord that draw the drawstring cord actually uh, is a locking mechanism. So, you know, the biggest thing that we saw veterans facing was their backpacks being stolen. So how do you prevent that? We've made the backpack so it can be, you know, attached to a bedpost in a shelter or around a bench post if they're outside or, you know, just attach it to something. Um, yeah. We also have a detachable lid. So the lid acts as, say, your bag is hooked to something uh, with the uh, aircraft carrier cable. That's what the drawstring is. So, you know, you can tell just from that it's a, it's a cord that no one can sort of cut unless you're running around with a pair of pliers or something. But uh, yeah. it keeps an uh, honest person honest. Yeah, there you go. Mm. Uh, and then our lid is detachable. So say your bag is locked off, you could still detach that lid, bring it with you to a bathroom uh, and still utilize it. Uh, and then inside of the backpack, mm. which is kind of the the hero feature is an accordion style sleep mat. So it's a closed cell foam mat that uh, folds up and sits in the back of the pack. Uh, and we put it in there because we want veterans obviously to avoid hypothermia. So just having a barrier between them and a gra the ground and a little bit of padding can go a long way. So we really just focused on a lot of the detail. We're using a lot of quality materials, really durable. We want to focus on the craftsmanship and providing just a shell of a quality of a bag. You know, one thing that Brett always spoke to was when he was overseas, he always felt his ammo cans against his back and his pack. So we made sure that we had a really hard closed cell foam in the back so that you don't feel anything pressing up against you. 
And even the, it's a 30 liter bag. And because of the sea bag gives it like a 15% extension and it's actually uh, carry on approved. And we did that just kind of because I wanted to, I didn't want it to be too big and I didn't want it to be yeah. too small. So it's, you know, it's, it's just right, I guess. Yeah. And you know, for someone who might not be, uh, able to look at it, it, it's sort of a hiker style bag. Uh, and you know, we're building out this program and initiative behind the backpack that, uh, you know, we're making it here in the U S which we're really proud and excited about down in Boone, North Carolina. And we've actually I saw that. I just, I just moved up here from Charlotte. Oh, nice, so, nice. That was another, that was another eye catcher. Right yeah. So me. we're in the Perfect. high country making our bag with a company that, uh, has experience in outdoor tents and workman gear. So they are well-versed in this industry. And we're actually partnering with another nonprofit called OVAT, which stands for One Vet at a Time, where they provide uh, employment opportunities and internship training to students at Appalachian State University. So they actually get to go into companies like our manufacturer, who is one of their partners, to get hands-on experience in textile manufacturing and learning new practices like 3D printing and static cutting machines so that they either have the opportunity to gain full-time employment or go on and say, hey, I've got this awesome internship experience. So it's kind of bringing it full circle and allows us to touch the veteran you know, when they're a student and they're transitioning along with our other main programs. But uh, we're, we're hoping to get this backpack uh, to a one for one model similar to Tom's shoes. So, uh, you know, we'll sell the backpack on our website. And then for one that's purchased, a portion of your proceeds will go towards backpacks for veterans that will distribute. And we we really wanted to do this model. And you're like, oh, nonprofit, how do you you know, sell something. And I mean, it's like, you know, sell and share or whatever you might sell, but we wanted to really create this model because we're like, okay, if we go and do fundraisers, gets the funds, get back us and give them to vets. Yes. We're helping those vets, but the real thing we also wanted to tackle is getting the word out there, you know, getting the word of what's happening to our veterans out there to the general public. And how do we do that? by also creating a revenue stream for our organization to create more backpacks. And that's by selling the backpacks out there because we're getting funds by people purchasing a backpack. And we're also getting the word out there. If somebody comes up to, let's just say Joe and say, Hey, great backpack. He goes, Oh, I got this backpack and starts telling the story. That's really how we, we can really envision our, our, our mission and um, really spreading and uh, the word about veteran related topics and stuff. So it's, uh, we're really super pumped about it. And the last thing on the backpack, and we actually literally just talked to our manufacturer and we got to put in because a lot of vets that were um, kind of getting recommendations from of how they like the backpack is they wanted a waist belt. So we actually created a little sleeve pocket on the, like the backside of the backpack where you can put your own waist belt. And we actually have one that we developed that you can use as well. Um, so that's like the really cool new feature that we have to it. So literally there's like, we can't think of anything else that we would uh, need to put in this backpack to really equip our veterans to not only survive, but also get off the sure. streets. So you do eventually want to get to a one-to-one model. You're not there now. What is your plan to eventually go, Hey, I'm buying a backpack for back from backpacks for life. And I also know that I'm going to be giving a backpack to a veteran. And that's with, uh, um, how do we make a die or casting of the isomat or make it more effective to make the isomat? That's the little mat that's inside the backpack, buying bulk materials, um, the static cutting machine or other machines to drop the cost. 
um, getting because of this mentorship, having you know some kind of donated labor expenses towards making the backpacks. So there's a couple of different factors. The ones I just talked about, um, the dropping the the backpack cost down, and obviously people buying bulk of the backpacks and things like that. Gotcha. How close are you guys to that to that goal? It now? is literally we're on top of that goal right now. Literally on top of it. It's like. You know, we're getting emails probably at least a couple times a week now, people reaching out after seeing that video oh. and saying, Hey, I'd love to buy this pack, you know, and they, so you're not even letting the pack go for sale with, except for the campaign that you had last year, but you're not, let, you're not letting that pack go for sale unless you can make that one for one model. People are definitely interested. So we're just getting all our ducks in a row to really launch it. And we think people want to buy our product that gives back. And if this helps us sustain our model Absolutely. of backpack distribution, you know, we're, we're really stoked for it. Got you. So you you haven't released it yet. I thought you, I thought it was, you know, when I saw the video, I thought it was already released, but I think that was just for the campaign. That was just for the campaign. We, we did the campaign on our website, but before that we did on Kickstarter and then we did an yeah. interview on Fox and we also did something in the New York post, which kind of like blew up and went viral. And we had a, an abundance of veterans reaching out to us looking for help. So we we're like, we can't continue to hundred percent fundraise. So we closed the Kickstarter down and I think we were at like 24,000 in like a, in like less than two weeks of our campaign. So we're wow. definitely there. So we, we just closed it down. We started to focus solely on the vets that reached out to us. And then after that kind of died down, we then opened up the campaign on our website for an extended amount of time um, to, uh, to hopefully fundraise and stuff. So it's been definitely kind of a win world, world experience. Um, and we're just kind of, you know, sure. like that entrepreneurial spirit, just adapting, overcoming and, and pivoting. So what is the, when is the, what's the goal for the release of the backpack? When are you planning on releasing it? Our goal is to hopefully by the end of the summer, have the backpacks ready to go out. Uh, you know, we go to That's quick. stand down events for, and hoping to be able to distribute part. them for veterans by the end of the summer as well. So, wow. Uh, that's, that's coming up. Yeah. Quick. Before we know yeah, it, so but we've been, this is a uh, almost perfect timing for the, for the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've been working on it for a while. It's like our baby. We sort of go to every single event with a backpack on our back. People call us the backpack. Oh, you're the backpack people. So we've sort of built this whole <laughs> laughing joke, but uh, all kidding aside, we're super excited. It should be here within the next couple of months. And, you know, our veterans are searching for a backpack like this or so excited to bring it to them. Got you. So Brett, there's a, there's a question that we always ask every veteran on the show. And it is, what is one thing that you learned while you were in service that you apply today? Uh, we, we definitely, you know, talked about, you know, the, the couple of things and I was, you know, keep, keep pushing on no matter what. And don't forget your, don't forget your, your, these are your brothers and sisters. You know, these are the people that signed on that dotted line that they're going to be your brothers and sisters, not just for, you know, active duty, but also when you AS. And I think, you know, really just taking in consideration, you know, we're all just people and stuff. And no matter who, who they are, or where they came from, you know, just treat them with respect. And I think respect is a big, big thing in the military and, and just keep that with you for, for life and stuff. And just make sure to have respect for even the people that you might not agree with. You still have that respect for them because they're, they're people just like you and I. So this last question is for both of you. Is there anything else that I haven't asked that you think it is important to share? I, um, we're actually, so it's the like online version of Alexa and I, but we, um, we're in the phase right now as well of creating a research portal. 
um, called Roger, you know, the universal world in the military of, I understand you. And, um, and so yeah, it's <laughs> sure. Roger, which is going to be like Alex and I, but on an online format where the veteran goes to this research portal, will have thousands of resources, resources already vetted on there. And the veteran could simply filter the correct resources that they need. So they could say, I'm a Marine, uh, honorable, you know, discharge. I did six years. I'm living in New Jersey and it's going to start to, you know, and then I'll have categories and they can click the categories and automatically start to populate resources that per pertain to that veteran and that they also qualify for. The second thing is we created a veteran business badge and I'll let Alexa kind of touch on that, but it's a really cool, unique way of having a veteran business badge that shows that, you know, every veteran is unique, but also the same. I mean, sorry, every veteran is unique, but also different and different in a positive way that, you know, we're not, that's why our military is so advanced. We have all these different uh, backgrounds coming together for the greater good. And the unique part is we all have that one purpose and it's to serve others. And so we wanted to demonstrate that with a badge that has 32 different variations. And we have a type form on our website. You can go on there and click and say, you know, I'm a um, uh, disabled minority or LGBTQ or I, you know, I'm a, a business that I make in products in the United States. So whatever kind of veteran you are or you identify with, um, you you click on this type form and it automatically generate a badge that pertains to who you are, but also showing every other veteran with, you know, it's the skeleton of the badge is the same, but the meat and the potatoes are who you are. And it shows whatever veteran or whatever badge that you relate to, every other veteran that has that similar badge will back you in no matter what you do. So that's the symbolism behind yeah, that. Yeah, well, cool. um, definitely I'll send you the link. It's a really cool, unique thing that we've been doing. It's really to, you know, show veterans, you know, like going back to, I don't want every veteran to think they're alone. You know, we're, we're a band of brothers and sisters. Awesome. So yeah, absolutely. Send me everything, uh, any links that you think, because I make a blog with every, with every episode. So anything that you want to share as a link. I'll, yeah, I'll that'd be great. There. We'll we'll share our so. website and the link to the campaign, which everyone can sort of check out the backpack. But, you know, we're just grateful for the opportunity like this to share our message. And that's what really resonates with people. And, you know, we recently recorded a podcast with a friend who's just starting out and someone reached out and said, Hey, you know, I, uh, my husband is dealing with X, Y, and Z and I listened to this podcast and it compelled me to reach out. And that's what we want. You know, we want to create a place where veterans and their families don't feel like they are afraid or, uh, unwilling to ask for help. So we're just grateful to have a platform to share our, uh, our mission. Getting out of the military, I was missing this camaraderie. It's frustrating when you try and talk to people that don't understand. I still had the anger, I still had the addictions, but we didn't talk about that. Came to a point where it's like, okay, I really need to talk to somebody about this. Family more or less encouraged me, you know, go, go to the VA. It's okay to go get help. It's okay to talk to people because it takes true strength to ask for help. Hear veterans' real stories of strength and recovery at maketheconnection.net. want to thank Brett and Alexa for their time. Uh, that was a really, really great conversation. Learned a lot about nonprofits and how they interact with each other. 
And if you're looking to get your hands on the Bowery Pack, Brett and Alexa are currently on their first production run, and it should be available late summer, early fall. For more information on Backpacks for Life, you can go to backpacksforlife.org. And of course, they have a Facebook and an Instagram and, and, and all that jazz. But go to backpacksforlife.org, go there, find the splash page. And then from there, you can navigate for their Facebook and all their other social media. This week's Veteran of the Week is Army Veteran Bill Hayes. This excerpt comes from mysanantonio.com. A native of Bristol, Tennessee, William Haskell Hayes moved with his parents to Salisbury, Maryland in 1934 and later attended Tacoma Academy in Washington, D.C. and later Southern Junior College in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Hayes' front row seat in America's entry into World War II started in 1938 when he joined the Army, intending to serve in Hawaii. The man wanted to go to Hawaii. I don't blame him. He completed basic medical training at Schofield Barracks in Honolulu before taking over as NCO of sick and wounded troops in the surgeon's department. He transferred to Station Hospital at Hickam Field in 1941. On the day of the attack, December 7th, Hayes was entering Fort Shafter in Honolulu to play some golf when he saw soldiers with combat helmets and rifles pour out of the barracks. Like so many soldiers, sailors, and Marines, he didn't hesitate. He was the personnel sergeant at Hickam Field Station's hospital, adjutant to the U.S. Naval Base at Pearl Harbor, and he drove there as fast as he could, which was about 85 miles an hour. Bill later wrote, And as I drove up the road, I saw a plane drop a bomb into a large oil tank, and it went up in smoke. The sky was full of planes and burst from anti-aircraft shells. When I came out of my quarters, I stood on the fender of the car and watched them bomb a ship in Pearl Harbor. There were four planes attacking the ship in four directions. One plane came over my head about 50 feet high, and I could see the pilot's face almost clearly enough to recognize him if I saw him again. He let his bombs go as he passed the ship. They didn't look very big, but they made a hell of a noise. Five months after Pearl Harbor, he went to the officer candidate school at Carlisle Barracks in Pennsylvania. He made warrant officer that May and was commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Medical Administrative Corps the next month. He went on to serve as chief of the Surgeon General Office's personnel section in San Francisco. He organized medical supplies for Army troop transports in Portland, Oregon, and held a variety of roles in post-war Germany before becoming medical detachment commander at William Boma Army Hospital on Fort Bliss. After earning a master's degree in business administration, Hayes worked in the Pentagon and later played a key role in the civilian health and medical program of the Uniformed Services, better known as CHAMPUS. Decades later, as an officer, he served as the Brook Army Medical Center's comptroller in a career that spanned more than 39 years. Hayes and his wife, Laura, had five children. Sadly, Bill Hayes recently passed away at the age of 100 years old and is known to be one of the last survivors of Pearl Harbor. He will be buried with his wife, Laura, who passed away in 1988 in Fort Sam Houston National Cemetery. Services are scheduled for 11 a.m. on May 31st in shelter number one. We honor his service. Again, if you have a nomination for the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can always email me at podcast.va.gov, or you can leave a nomination in one of my blogs on blogs.va.gov. And as always, you can find the VA on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Rally Point. That's our new one. U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, DEPT Vet Affairs, 
whatever the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week.